go. Uh, so I was flying back from Thanksgiving and on a plane and thinking about what could happen. And you know, I was like, hey, a lot of us are going to be traveling this holiday season, I'm sure. So what happens if you know there's a call for help in an in-flight emergency? And I think there's an understandable, some hesitancy to respond, perhaps. But I'll just briefly go over a few things that might help if that happens. So first of all, not a terribly common thing, but about one every 600, 604 flights has this happen. Um, but you think of how many flights there are a day, that's, there's going to be several emergencies every day. Um, most of the complaints are going to be fairly minor. Syncope is by far the most common thing. Uh, next, respiratory complaints and then gastrointestinal. One thing that's probably important is most of the time it's an exacerbation of someone's underlying disease. So a simple medical history might go a long ways in trying to figure out like if the diabetic's passed out. Right. So what kind of resources do you have available to you? Oh, well, first off, you know, what, some things that might make it more comfortable. We, I think physicians think about getting sued a lot, but you know, probably all of us do um, as well. And there are some things to protect us. The Aviation uh, Medical Assistance Act of 1998 is kind of like a Good Samaritan law for the um, airlines. Uh, so if someone responds and acts within their scope of practice and isn't, and isn't grossly negligent, you're probably not going to have any litigation. So if you try to pour, perform like an appendectomy drunk, you might get sued, but everything else is probably going to be covered, and no one's been sued today. So but what kind of resources do you have? So first, the flight crew doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, they're CPR trained, and they know how to operate the AED. And the AED is one thing that's usually on every flight, every larger commercial flight, like more than 30 people is going to have one of those on it. And you're also going to have a medical kit. Medical kit is rather sparse. Uh, I'll kind of tell you some of the things that are on it in it. So epinephrine, some sort of injectable antihistamine. There's dextro, dextrose, nitroglycerin, um, some sort of analgesic, usually like an oral Tylenol or something like that. Um, there's also an injectable sedative or an anticonvulsant antiemetic, bronchodilator, atropine, some sort of steroid, a diuretic, uh, a medication for postpartum bleeding. Odd. I would not want to be dealing with that. Oral beta blocker, aspirin, um, and then some tools like a stethoscope, a blood pressure cuff, oral pharyngeal airways, a BVM, CPR mask, syringes, needles, um, and a thermometer. Temperature is always important, right? But one other thing I think, and this is important too, is that you're never alone. So there's always usually a ground-based like physician consult available. Um, so vision, physician staffing 24-7 that will contact these air crews. So if they're alone, it's something they can use, but you can use too. Um, and consult with a ground-based team that deals with this every day. Um, you can be kind of their ears and eyes. Because um, you're going to have a lot more knowledge than even the most, you know, most lay people. So you can be a good resource to go over the plan. Uh, so hopefully that should provide a little bit more comfort um, that you have someone always there for you. Uh, and you should ask about that. If Sometimes they'll be contacted right away. Sometimes they won't unless you're at, you ask for it. Um, and then the other thing is you're never going to really have to divert the plan. That's always up to the captain. So he or she is going to be making that decision. They might ask for your input on the severity of the emergency, but they're going to make that financial decision. So you shouldn't have to worry about making that. So that's just the basics.